Ready to do it? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Welcome. Know your roles. Back again. You know, just like Mace or whoever it was that made that awful song. <laughs> Speaking of awful songs, a little bit later we're going to be talking about songs we don't like, comparing them to uh, sports franchise owners. <laughs> Other things we don't generally like, I would say. Yeah, there's a... Uh... There's a lot of bad owners. Um, uh, I just picked some of my favorites, just some of the things that they've done. Yeah, me too. I picked some of the ones that they kind of have more of the outspoke. You know, a lot. I think a lot of owner team owners are, we don't know who they are. Yeah. They're just like shadowy, wealthy people. <laughs> who there's, there's a couple of them who probably, like one of the guys that I chose is probably not a bad guy. He's just... He did this one thing I didn't <laughs> like. All right. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing about that. But first, what's on your bar today, George? I'm going to talk about Hard Knocks. This is the uh, 15th season of Hard Knocks, and they're doing uh, both L.A. teams. I can't 15. believe it's been on TV for 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's surprising. For the most part, they've all been kind of the same. In essence, it's a TV show, and you want to root for some people, some guys who may or may not make the team or blah, 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 blah. But this year has been fascinating because it's also, in essence, is happening in real time what's going on in the world and what's going on in the sports today. And uh, Hard Knocks, shout out to Hard Knocks for doing like pretty awesome job of including all of those things as far as uh, Black Lives Matter and getting people out there to vote. And this last episode, probably one of the best in the series in which they talked about the Milwaukee Bucks. They talked about Kenosha, Wisconsin. It came down to at the end that the Chargers were supposed to play a, a game and they didn't play. So they're one of the teams that didn't play that thing was that Wednesday. It was like a scrimmage or something, right? Yeah, like a scrimmage. And shout out to Anthony Lynn, who I was not a huge fan of until Hard Knocks. So I'm kind of rooting for the Chargers. They probably have the worst home field advantage playing in L.A. because they're even though the franchise started in L.A., their their home games in essence are basically road games. Nobody cares about them. Yeah, and they're not they're in, not, in they're L.A. Not, Nobody cares yeah. about them. Yeah, so I'm rooting hard for the Chargers and rooting for Anthony Lynn. He seems like a pretty cool guy. They also did a really good job of taking his story about going into the NFL and relating it to some of the guys who were Anthony Lynn, truth be told, was an undrafted free agent or undrafted rookie who made the team and it was a one two Super Bowls with the with the Denver Broncos. It's, it's narrated by Lee Schreiber. He's got one of the coolest voices in that uh, on the planet. And it's like I'm not gonna do a Lee Schreiber voice, but he's like, uh, it's like <laughs> Anthony Lynn knows a little bit about being a undrafted rookie free agent. Blah 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 blah. And they showed see like footage of Anthony Lynn playing for the Broncos and winning Super Bowl battles. The Lee, yeah. the Lee Schreiber, the Lee Schreiber narration on the Hard Knocks is, is amazing. You almost forget that it's Lee Schreiber doing it. It's Lee Schreiber. I love Hard Knocks. I haven't yet watched this season. I think it's interesting that they're doing uh, both teams combined. They haven't, they haven't done that. And you're right. It's totally, uh, it follows the formula, and they are kind of all the same. Even though I, I do really enjoy them because I think one of the things we like about them the most is that it's almost like being in the locker room. It's, yeah, it's yeah. as close, like it's, you know, when you watch it on T, when you watch sports on TV, it's a, it's a show. They are putting on a certain thing, but behind closed doors in the locker room, they're saying different things <laughs> and they're saying them different ways. And uh, it's good to hear that they're like, you know, talking about the issues of the moment. Yeah. That makes me want to watch, want to watch the season. Hard it's, it's, it's really good this year. Like I forget the other coach's name, Sean, Sean McVay. Sean McVay. I guess he's not as compelling. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I didn't find him as interesting, but him, they show footage of him seeing the video from Kenosha and going, what the fuck is this? It's like, it, wow. it's weird, like they capture footage of that because there's hidden cameras and blah, blah, blah. But they, uh, his reaction was just like a lot of people's reactions. Wow. Last, last week's episode was really, really good. All right, cool. Hard Knocks. Hard Knocks is great. 
Your bar. All right. Well, uh, on my bar, I want to share a couple of stories from a couple of people that we lost last week, unfortunately, or the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, that's always sad, but I, I wanted to share a couple of stories that I saw that weren't the ones that kind of got all over the place and just, you know, take a moment, talk about people that did great stuff. It's too bad that they're not here anymore. But the first right. one is Chadwick Boseman, who, you know, there's been a lot of outpouring of grief for his passing, and it's very sad. But I wanted to share a story that I saw that I thought was really a nice way to remember him. It was on Twitter, and it's from a person who worked at the Samuel French bookstore in LA. It's like a bookstore for plays and whatnot. So it's not like your average, you know, Barnes and Noble type store. It's uh, a store where mostly actors and writers and people like that are going to be going. And and this guy used to work there. And here's a story. I got to meet Chadwick Boseman once while I worked Samuel French Film and Theater Bookshop. He didn't bring any attention to himself. Just wanted to find a few new plays. But then this young actor, twenty-something black man comes up to him and starts talking. 30 minutes later, they're still chatting. Chadwick taking the time to give this guy advice, speaking to what it's like to be a black man in this industry, how to navigate it. The actor thanks him and continues looking for books. Chadwick comes up to the counter and buys the few plays he found, but then he has another stack. They're books he recommended to the actor and he wants to buy them. He then has me hold the books behind the counter for this guy and leaves. And that's the story. And like, I think that's so cool that he, you know, somebody when, when you're, when you're someone with who's so recognizable like that, you're going to get accosted everywhere you go. I mean, and to give himself, to give someone, especially a young actor access like that. And, and to just be like, I'm going to buy these books and bounce. I don't need to be like thanked or whatever. I just want to do this for him and leave. I, I thought that was really cool. And you know, it was, like I said, there's been a lot of good stories and a lot of stuff about him last week or so, but I thought that one was good. I wanted to share it. Wanted to take an opportunity to, to celebrate someone else, uh, John Thompson, the former Georgetown Hoyas basketball coach, a very important figure to many people. One of them being Allen Iverson, who he coached when he went there. And I wanted to share a story that Allen Iverson wrote in the Players Tribune about John Thompson. Chuck. Yeah. Okay. So it's goes like this. I remember the night that I found out coach Thompson was no one to mess with. We're playing Villanova at their place. Had to be in the middle of my freshman year, big rivalry game, plus a little something extra with both of us being ranked that season. We come out of the tunnel, getting our warmups all good. We're ready. There's some real energy in the building, but then suddenly one of our guys, he notices something and he points up to the crowd and I'll never forget it. There were four men making some noise way up in the stands. They all had on handcuffs and chains and orange jumpsuits, those kind of orange jumpsuits. And I remember the sign they were holding clear as day. It said, Allen Iverson, the next MJ, but it had MJ crossed out and they had marked in OJ. You have to understand. I mean, I'm a grown man now writing this, but at the time I was 19. That's near a child's age. And it's not like I was embarrassed about my past or where I came from. Never that. But on the same token, it was just like, damn, damn, can your boy start fresh like one time? Can I just go to college like a normal kid and play some ball? I'll tell you this. There is no luxury in the world like being carefree. All these people, they'll be out here chasing money and happiness and this and that and the third. 
but there's nothing on earth better than carefree. And that's the one thing I realized some of these people out there were never going to be. And what made Coach Thompson so special is he knew that, man. He knew that. Coach knew, and he could see my heart just sinking in that moment. He knew he couldn't protect me from everything that was in this world, but he sure tried. Here's what Coach Thompson, my coach, did for me on that night. He didn't ask for their sign to be confiscated. He didn't yell and shout and make a scene. No. See, what Coach did is he calmly walked over us, player by player, and told us, don't worry about our things. We were leaving the floor. That's it. We were leaving the floor. No big drama. Heads held high. We were there, and then we were gone. And then once we were off that floor, and it was just coach back in the court, he calmly told those refs, he said, hey, no disrespect. No disrespect to y'all, but here's what's going to happen. If you don't get those four pieces of shit out of here, and I'm talking immediately, we're going to be forfeiting this game. Understood? They understood, man. Yeah, he, uh, that, that mirrors a, uh, a game in the 80s in Syracuse. Georgetown was playing at Syracuse at the Carrier Dome and Patrick Ewing. There were a lot of signs, a lot of gestures about ape this and gorillas that and oranges and bananas being thrown up, thrown on the court and uh, same sort of thing. He's like, well, fuck this. We're getting the fuck out of here. Yeah, he clearly did not stand for any of that shit. And he understood that the money was power, like the, the playing the game, you know, like, fuck that. Well, then we're not going to fucking play. And, and right. you know, that's kind of what they did. You know, what you, What the Bucks did, decided after, you know, the stuff in Kenosha got out. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's happened before, and we need to support it. Yeah, R.I.P. John Thompson. He, uh, um, my family being from D.C., those 80s Georgetown teams were, were well-liked in the Gordon and Barnes household when I was a kid. Especially that team that uh, they lost to Carolina. They were well-liked in, in, in my house. Yeah, he's definitely someone who always kind of had that father figure type type vibe just you could you could just kind of tell it the way he interacted with his players and and the way he was with the media you can just you could just kind of sense that but also you know all any even before he passed you it's hard to find a, a, a negative story from one of his players about him he really yeah, if you, uh, care if you have them. a chance and you have uh espn plus check out Raccoon for the uh the big east the 30 for 30 it's awesome just, cool because he's in it he's in it I mean, he's from the very beginnings of it. He's got this great quote. I'm going to butcher it about Georgetown winning a national championship and him being the first black coach. And he was like, how about we're the first East Coast team to win a national championship in like 50 years? Because back in the day, the best players from the East Coast, they didn't play in the East Coast until the Big East came. They played down south. So yeah. it's like, like, how about that? How about we mention that too? It was like that. It was his first team from the East Coast to win a national championship. One other John Thompson story, the short one about the Alonzo Morning. There was a drug dealer in the 80s and 80s and 90s who was one of the, the scariest dudes in D.C., aside from the president, Reagan. Shout out to Reagan. Fuck. Anyway. Yeah, fuck <laughs> him. In D.C., he was like who uh, some of the players had become friends with, and he told them straight up, went to the, that drug dealer's place and was like, I mean, I know you mean well, but stay away from my fucking kids. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Their name of drug dealer was Rayful. Is Ray something, but I think it's Rayful. Yeah, Google that shit. It's like John Thompson. Yeah. This drug dealer's house. It was like, stay away from my fucking kids. Not somebody to fuck with for sure. Um, John. Yeah. Really quickly, I guess I would be remiss also if I didn't say a little something about Cliff Robinson as well, who also passed. Probably one of my favorite players when I was a kid who wasn't on the Bulls. He could do a little bit of everything. 
he could shoot, he could play down low, he could defend. He he was uh, I think he'd be He's a dude that if he was in today's NBA, he would be probably the best player in the league. He'd be yeah, I think he'd be one of the best He's players in the league for for what the NBA is now. Yes. And I didn't didn't find I don't have any like specific stories that I found about him, but did just want to mention a couple of things. First of all, he was known throughout the league as Uncle Cliffy, which was his nickname because part, partially because he was so welcoming and everybody liked him. Another guy that was really hard to find anything, ne- like nobody had anything negative to say about him. Uh, another cool thing about Cliff Robinson is after the NBA, he opened up a marijuana dispensary and he was a big advocate for trying to erase the stigma of marijuana use and and especially with like NBA players and and he wanted to call his shop Uncle Spliffy, which I kind of think is hysterical. And like as a pot, as like a pot smoker, like to me, I'm like, that's great. But he was like, he decided against it because he didn't want to trivialize, you know, the, the positive effects of marijuana. And, and he didn't want to buy into, he didn't want to let people further stigmatize and like poke fun, uh, you know, so, so. Yeah, he Cliff Robinson, way ahead of his times in, in many ways. Anyway, all those people, hopefully they are resting resting well. Let's get started. All right. <laughs> yeah, no segue for that. But yeah, let's get into it. Who is the who of what? And we're doing sports franchise owners, and we're going to be comparing them to songs that we don't particularly like. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I would say generally that just first, real quickly, that – Sports owners, not people we generally like, um, and but it, but it's for it's for a good reason. If you are a sports owner, and I think we're going to be getting into some of these numbers, you know, during the segment. But if you are if you are able to to own a sports franchise, it means that you have a considerable amount of wealth, a considerable amount of wealth. And these franchises themselves, even though there always is this call of like we're losing money and we're not profitable and blah, blah, blah. These franchises in and of themselves are worth billions of dollars as property and entities. And we know that that profit doesn't go to the people selling you hot dogs at the stadium and shit like that. So it's a predatory system to begin with. So yeah, I think uh, most of them are, are going to compare well to songs that we don't like. <laughs> you want to, you want to get it started? I do, but I, I wanted I couldn't find as much as I want to about soccer owners, but I'm going to shout out three individuals who I thought were very interesting. Also, shout out to SportsZion.com, who had this website of things that bad owners are in the globe. So these are three of my favorites. He, uh, this guy named is uh, Doug Craig. Doug Craig, uh, he owned York City. Doesn't own them anymore, but his claim to fame is he's one of the one of the 92 league chairmen who refused to sign for the Let's Kick Racism Racism Out of Football campaign. <laughs> refused to sign that everybody else signed it they're all down with this like it's like yeah let's get let's get racism out of soccer like all just, you have to do is sign the petition like it's not something. like you even have to do anything he's not gonna yeah, he's, he's like, I ain't going out like that so shout out douglas craig you you're, you're a piece of work uh this day i'm gonna butcher the shit out of this guy is his name is zoljiko reznanovic um he was a militia leader in the 60s and 70s he was on Interpol's uh, Most Wanted list, and he bought a Ser- Serbian team, which they pointed guns at the opposing team. So, uh, shout out to Zaliko. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, 
my first thought was like, oh my God, that's the most insane thing I've ever heard. And then I remembered Pablo Escobar owned yeah, the soccer yeah, team. So like, it's really not that crazy. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, Zico RIP assassinated in 2000. Uh, and, uh, and the last but not least is this guy named, uh, Craig White. He's a, uh, Scottish owner who purchased a team with fans money and none of his own. So those are my, <laughs> those are my top three owners, not yeah. in America. That's that uh, found on the interwebs. So, so Craig White, wow, that's 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 special. Yeah, wow. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to start off with one of the owners of Hawaii. I don't really know much about, but uh, it's unfortunate of how he what happened. Uh, it's Clay Bennett. Clay Bennett is the owner of the Oklahoma City Thunder, and uh, he was a part of the group that that moved the the, the Sonics to Oklahoma City. And I don't have anything against Oklahoma City. Uh, I'm sure it's a fine town, and they seem like a great fans, but it was the Sonics who, who were part of the Sonics won a title They're, yeah. they, well, they, they weren't a, they weren't a joke franchise. No. And, and they had a lot of fans and still have fans still who are do, pissed yeah. off. Yeah, I know some of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Pearl Jam and Jeff Ahmed and Eddie Vedder who are like Stone Gossard who are like massive fans. <laughs> um, uh, but the reason why is this is a interesting person to choose is because Clay Bennett, the group, they were, when they mentioned they were going to buy the Sonics from uh, the guy who uh, owned it, I forget his name, who also was the owner of uh, Starbucks, that in good faith, it was like the, their whole goal was to keep the team in Seattle, which he said to them, it was like, yes, we're going to try to keep the team in Seattle. It was discovered uh, years later that the, the worst kept secret in sports was the fact that that was never his intention ever. And they, they unearthed like 4,000 emails like, going back and forth with the other groups. He's like, no, we're moving to them to Oklahoma City. Fuck Seattle. <laughs> uh, they, yes. Bennett was supposed to keep the team in Seattle, and it was like, yeah, nah, it was, fuck that. It was like a handshake deal. It was like, hey, if you end up buying this team. The dude just found it at Starbucks, and the whole city was like, yeah, was, this guy's going to take care of us, and blah, 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 blah. And he was like, nah, I don't think so. So Howard Schultz. Howard Schultz, yes. That's the guy who, was the, who purchased the team. Anyway, so the, his whole intention was to move the team to Oklahoma. And I think the NBA fined him for that because he was like, it was never, it was never really about keeping him. So anyway, with that being said, for my first list of songs that I don't like, but uh, again, I, the only thing I know about Clay Bennett is this. He did make my top five uh, moves like Jagger by Maroon five. <laughs> <laughs> because it moved the team. <laughs> this is how it's related. The mind of George Gordon, ladies and gentlemen. That song stinks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to argue with yeah. any, any of that. First of all, that song does stink. I mean, whatever. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of people that like it. A lot of people that, that like Maroon 5, I don't. I would venture to say probably not that many of them are over 20 years old. But, uh, um, they had a run? I was yeah. No. Um, I like that, though. I like I like imagining Clay Bennett like walking from Seattle to Oklahoma City like Mick Jagger. Song playing in the background. Like, yeah, like Mick Jagger. Yeah, wow. Yeah. I, I'm I'm good with that. I don't like either one of those those things. Maroon five. Mick Jagger. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well i I'm gonna go and do my first one. I was looking mostly at MLB and NFL owners and you know, I'm going to start with one of the big, big ones for me, which uh, the Ricketts family, the Ricketts family. Now we're looking at the father who doesn't technically is not on the board, doesn't own the team, 
but certainly made the money for the family to be successful. He was the owner of TD Ameritrade, you know, all sorts of financial investment firms, and that's what they do. And yeah, uh, but Joe Ricketts, he's the father, the and the the family, the progeny is Tom, Todd, Pete, and Laura. Tom, Todd, and Laura live in Chicago, and they kind of operate the team. Pete lives, I think, in Arizona or somewhere, and uh, he is, like, on the board, but not really a member. They, like I said, they made their money from, from TD Ameritrade. They, they own the Cubs. They bought the Cubs. They bought the Cubs for $700 million. The Chicago Cubs are worth $3.2 billion, but yet they say there's no money to trade for players and blah, 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 blah. They, you know, a lot of these team owners always like to say there's no money for anything, but yet they're sitting on like a franchise that's worth billions of dollars and the profit, you know, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but the Ricketts family, they own the Cubs. I am a Cubs fan. Uh, I hate the Ricketts family. They're terrible. Um, I hate them so much that I don't want to give any money to the Cubs if I can help it uh, for the rest of my life. (laughs) That might be a big ask, but I'm going to try to do it. But, uh, you know, because, hey, it's just sports. But anyway, the reason I don't like them is because Joe, the father, is very racist should shock no one he there are some emails that were uncovered years ago that were you know him him sharing i'm not going to read them i don't care to do that we don't ever need to do any of that kind of shit but they were very islamophobic very racist he's basically a birther uh he's a piece of shit again he doesn't own the team but his family does and his family responded to those emails and they said oh, this isn't how we're raised and this doesn't reflect our views and he doesn't actually own the team and blah, 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 blah. Not not really. I will say Laura, who is openly gay, has pushed the team to be more, um, you know, uh, helpful as far as advocacy for, for gay rights and stuff like that. So that that is something, but that's only because of Laura. And the rest of them are like, you know, Trump supporters. They're all Trump supporters. So that's, I mean, honestly, that really should be all you need to know. Um, But anyway, so that's why to me, they are sweet home Alabama. (laughs) I told you we're biting off some big guns. And if you don't think that song is racist, all you need to know is that they literally have until 2012, they used the Confederate flag to sell memorabilia and at their concerts. And, and similar fashion to the Ricketts family being like, being like uh, um, uh, we weren't raised that way and this doesn't reflect our views or whatever. This is what like the last remaining, mem- the last surviving original member of, uh, of Leonard Skinner said about their fans and about the Confederate flag which is through the years, people like the KKK and skinheads kind of kidnapped the Dixie or Southern flag from its tradition and heritage of the soldiers. That's what it was about. We didn't want that to go to our fans or show the image like we agreed with any of the race stuff or any of the bad things. I mean, get the fuck out of here. Uh, Yeah. The Confederate flag is racist, period. If you use it 
<laughs> you know, I mean, you can connect the dots there. Oh, hang that. Uh, yeah, but uh, so the Ricketts family is "Sweet Home Alabama," a song that I ever like. Even if even if I liked it musically, which I kind of don't, I don't. Um, but I do like the Cubs. Like every time I see the Cubs or I see Leonard Skinner, I think of the Confederate flag and like you know so. Yeah, they can go fuck themselves. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm from the South. I've heard that song a lot. So. I'm sure. Well, and I've been and, to an Alabama home game. They play it a lot. Yeah. Well, yes, and they're going to continue to play it at multiple sports, more, many sports events, and weddings, and all sorts of shit. And um, kind of like the Cubs, the majority of the people that like it are white people. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah. So uh, moving on, George, you're next. All right. So. Uh... I'm going to go with uh, my next one is Dan Gilbert, the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers. I read this article in Rolling Stone magazine called him a massive dick. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Rolling Stone magazine. That's pretty funny. A publication that covers uh, music and politics called the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers a massive dick. We all heard, know about the letter. They want to go too deep into that. He came off as like a, like a child, he said something about, said that LeBron's going to carry the curse with him down to South Beach. That didn't quite happen. The team plays in a tax, taxpayer-funded arena, but considering how much money they're worth, they got the, the fine folks of Ohio to pay for that. He grew rich peddling uh, reverse mortgages, something people don't know, which is, which is crazy. <laughs> when, I say, when I say that these owners are scumbags, like you don't even have to know to assume that kind of wealth and power you had to have exploited people. So it comes to my surprise. Yeah, of course. Dan, okay. Uh, also read this little nugget. Wage the most expensive electoral campaign in Ohio history to win a casino monopoly that drains the local economy. Shout out to Dan Gilbert. Way to go. Doing great things to the people of Ohio. Do you know, I'm just going to give them like just a song that I, I heard recently. There's a dude who drives around uh, Fifth Avenue where I live blasting Barbie World. <laughs> <laughs> Now, that's how he gets down. He just trolls the bars on Fifth Avenue, blasting Barbie World. And seeing that Dan Gilbert is a fucking child, we're going to call He's going to be the Barbie World. I don't know who sings that song, but that's, that's what I came up with. Barbie World for Dan Gilbert. I, I believe it. it's the band Aqua. It is, I think it is, yeah. Is it? Or am I getting that confused? But I'm surprised that you... Yeah, it's by Aqua. Um, it's, I believe it's from the 90s, right? Uh, yeah. I'm surprised that you are just now hearing that. No, I mean, like, I've heard it. I've heard it before. It's just oh, like, okay, but I've it's heard it recently, like within the past week. That's true. I probably haven't heard that song in over a decade. Oh, no, I've heard it, and apparently it gets played a lot. There's a dude who drives around up and down Fifth Avenue drunk, blasting Barbie World. And I told the bartender in the bar, I was like, hey, there's this guy at a funny. He's like, he's like, that fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody knows him, I'm sure. Everybody knows who he is. Like, yeah. So. Ugh. Dan Gilbert, Barbie World. Yeah. All right. I'm going to continue. I'm going to move into the NFL where there's a lot of great guys who own teams. Um, Again, sarcasm. I hope everybody hears that. Um, But uh, I'm going to take another one of those big fish and let's go at Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones. He was was Uh, on my, uh, him and the DeVos family were on my uh, honorable mention list. But let's hear it. He's kind of like the quintessential sports owner i mean first of all jerry jones he owns the dallas cowboys i didn't know he's actually from california arkansas. he went to university of arkansas yes he, he he was born in california and then moved to arkansas but he has he's 
when I think of Jerry Jones, I, I think of a couple of fictional things off, right off the bat that, you know, the, this isn't the comparison to the song, but he, he's like that Simpsons character that's like the oil tycoon that has the cowboy hat and like he just shoots guns in the air. And like, that's what I imagine of Jerry Jones. Also, he, it's definitely a purposeful parody, but the guilty pleasure, terrible, bad, but fun show Ballers on HBO, the guy who played Shooter McGavin, uh, Christopher McDonald. Bossman. Yeah, he plays a character named Bossman. It's, boss esen- it's essentially Jerry Jones. A guy... sucks. It's <laughs> terrible. It's, it's very bad, but it's also like very, you know, it, it appeals to the, it's the very, the 17-year-old in me. I've seen every episode. There's like a subplot. I love how they use people's actual names and they use the team's actual names. It's like, we're trying to sign Patrick Mahomes to the richest contract that's forced. And then like a year later, it happened. And I was like, oh, <laughs> Ballers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Ballers is, uh, yeah. But yeah, he's like, you know, this big wig guy and he, he kind of like runs the show in the NFL. And I didn't know a ton about how he got his money. But first of all, all of his first few businesses were failures. And he all started them with borrowed money and apparently had a really strong connection to the Teamsters and like Jimmy Hoffa's Teamsters. And he got money from the Teamsters. The first business he opened with Teamster money was a Shakey's Pizza. And that failed. (laughs) And then he tried a couple other businesses that failed, including a attempt to buy the Chargers with Teamster money that, that failed. And then eventually he started a oil and gas company that became successful. And it became successful enough that he bought the Cowboys for $140 million, which today they are one of the most successful franchises ever. And they are worth $5 billion. That is why they, to me, represent the song, Don't Stop Believing." By journey, I went to college in Boston in the early 2000s, and uh, you could not go to a fucking bar without some frat dude requesting or playing Don't Stop Believing." That song is so terrible. Literally, the words are street light people. Like, this song is awful. If you look up the lyrics to the song, it makes no sense whatsoever. But yet, it's the most, it's, it's the highest selling, one of the highest selling digital songs of all time. And people still love that shit. And people Fuck, still. There's so many better Journey songs. Wheels in the Sky. <laughs> yeah, I'm Did gonna I leave- say Wheels in the Sky already? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to leave that one alone. Um, but uh, yeah, inexplicably, people still love this song. And. People still love the Cowboys and no matter if they're good, they're bad. And Cowboys are like, you know, they have, it's it's same thing that that song is there's no neutral opinions. You either love them or hate them. And that song is kind of the same way. You either love it or hate it. And uh, yeah, I don't like that song. <laughs> I don't like no, that, that song. Sucks. I had a, bad. I've, I've hated that song for about a solid 20 something years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and a friend of mine who she still does this, Whenever she's out and a song will play, she'll call me and like hold the phone up. And I'm thinking, I was like, hey, what's going on? Oh, Jesus. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, <laughs> she, she stopped doing that because she's married. She's like, can't be going out the bars 
screaming, don't stop believing. But there was a time in my life I would get that phone call about that. <laughs> Moving right along, because this next one's going to be a classic rock theme, too. It's funny, when I wrote the name down, I wrote out the name of my old landlord, who was not a part of this family. He just shares the same last name. It's Dolan. So my landlord's name is Tom Dolan. That's the name I wrote down. I was like, oh, wait a second. Tom Dolan? No, I love Tom Dolan. James I was Dolan. About to say, I, I hope he's I not anything like James Dolan. No, no, no. James Dolan is kind of the worst. So I'm going to give you, there's a bunch of highlights in James Dolan's like backstory, but I'm going to give you some of the ones that I'm just like, yikes. Uh, let's see. Uh, the Knicks, James Dolan, owner of the Knicks, one winning season in 21 years. Shout out to the Knicks. Way to go. You're really killing it out there. I'm surprised they had the one winning season. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was in 2012, 2013, where Carmelo was playing out of his mind. Yes. Uh, Hired Larry Brown for five years, $50 million. Fired him after one season with the buyout and the amount of money. Larry Brown, for one season of coaching the Knicks, made $28 million. That sounds like <laughs> yeah. bad business. That's like what mo- most coaches make in an entire contract. Yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. The, uh, the Eagles, they played at the Garden for one of their fucking stupid-ass comeback tours. And James Dolan's band opened up for them. <laughs> that was in the contract. He's like, you come play at the Garden? My band should open up for you. The biggest selling rock band of all time. The opener is James Dolan and his fucking shit, shit bag band. That's Some ridiculous. Of the things we got Oakley. Kept out Charles Oakley, one of the most beloved Knicks of all time. Spike Lee. We got people who have uh, who've, who've told me they want, we want you to sell the team. He's kicked them out. He kicked out my friend Jake Head, who's a comedian from North Carolina. Shout out to Jake Head. Jake Head tweeted this. I'm going to my first Knicks game today. Sometime around the third quarter, I'm going to find Dolan and beat his ass until he sells me the team for whatever I have sitting around in my Venmo. <laughs> Needless to say, he tweeted that during the game. That tweet was found during the game, and Jake Head was subsequently kicked out during the game. So shout out to Jake Head for that amazing tweet. <laughs> and, of course, the Brown Sanders sexual harassment by Isaiah Thomas. She was fired by Dolan out of spite because he's a spiteful bastard. And, of course, there's other things, but those are some of my favorites. I had to mention that Jake Head story. And because of the whole, like, I'm opening for the Eagles, the Eagles who I, whatever. I've seen the Eagles documentary a couple of times. That's actually pretty good. They kind of <laughs> go, you know what? The Eagles are not bad. But I'm going to give you, like, an Eagles song that's just nobody likes. And that's Tequila Sunrise. <laughs> a song named after a fucking drink that nobody orders. And when they do, I'm like, you know what? Just get out of here. Well, you're not the right place. <laughs> the tequila orange juice and grenadine if i remember correctly it's uh, disgusting it's disgusting yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Back that's, that's, that's one where my if people order that i just i shed like a single tear and yeah. my heart hurts a little bit <laughs> yeah also shout out to ricky halbert from college the dude i knew in my freshman year of college you also got a 0.0 our first year in college pretty 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 rough hang now that's kind of impress- uh, impressive to do that. He, at a party, he's like, I'm going to make myself my own tequila sunrise. And he just had tequila. And we're like, you know, I think you're missing a few ingredients, Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky Halbert. Shout out to Ricky Halbert. Quite a Little Rock, Arkansas. So Dolan, the Eagles tequila sunrise. I listened to that song when I wrote this. That song sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When you're talking about the Eagles documentary, like being good and stuff. my only It's not bad. My only question is, do they play any eagle songs in it? Because yeah, if they do, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, if you can get I, past that, 
Like yeah. there's some Eagles songs. It's like I could I, I kind of fuck with a couple of Eagles songs. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> but that Tequila Sunrise, that song is unlistenable. But, Anytime the Eagles come on, I'm like that fucking scene in Big Lebowski. I like. Like kick me out of the cab because I hate the fucking Eagles. Yeah, man. yeah. <laughs> yeah Again, like this saccharine, corny, fucking yeah. I yeah. No, no good. Yeah, there's also a movie called The Killer Sunrise. Also, Mel, good. Mel Gibson, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of yeah, a lot of winners associated with with yeah, all but that. But that's that's actually I'd rather watch that movie than listen to that song. That's all I suck. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I would rather listen to song. All right, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna to keep it moving, and I'm gonna do I'm gonna keep it in the world of football. Keep it in one of these big successful guys, and that is Robert Kraft. Robert Kraft, the, the owner of the New England Patriots. He got out. Robert Kraft. He in he, massages. Yeah. Hey. Well, that's. <laughs> That's a whole thing, and yeah, he, I, yeah, he. So he went to Columbia. He graduated from Columbia. Graduated from Harvard. Very impressive. Uh, not really, but you know, um, <laughs> not to me. But uh, he made his money se- selling like paper products and and all this sort of stuff, you know. Uh, and he he became very very successful, and he's worth him alone he is worth 6.9 billion dollars and that team his team the new england patriots very very successful team very successful one of the best teams ever brady and belichick one of the best coaches qbs but yeah robert Kraft, not that great of a guy he uh is a guy who gives money to a lot of different political campaigns republican and democratic so that tells you something right there about the whole system is that if the same people are giving the money to this, both sides and who is giving the money, the people that, that make all the money. And then again, you know, they make it off the backs of, you know, the little guys. But anyway, Robert Kraft, like I said, very successful, but I, I question, question him and the, uh, the massage thing, while there's certainly nothing wrong with, with prostitution in general, as far as you know, we need to support sex workers and all that. But he was he, he was like going to a massage that was the that was a, a sex trafficking ring. And, and you know, yeah, doesn't he? He also does he have he has ties to Epstein potentially? Uh, apparently so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're smoking with our spire. So yeah. So uh, yeah, not a savory character. And so to me, he is. The song "Beautiful Day" by U2. <laughs> um, yeah. um, I, yeah. <laughs> I really don't like that song. Yeah, um, like, uh, I'm on the corner that any U2 from after like '99 is like, what are we doing? Are well, I completely agree with you, and that's kind of why I I brought them up and compared them to to Kraft because you know that team and and like. I do. I don't really like Brady or Belichick as far as like things that they have said and the actions that they've done, like in the public. But as far as players and coaches, that team is amazing, and they are. It is. They. I do like. I did like watching Brady Belichick Patriots because it's. I mean, if you like football, you have to appreciate it on some level. How good that they were, and how they approached the game and everything, and you too is a band that I've never really liked. But those first few albums, like Joshua Tree and War and stuff, those are those are pretty good albums. 
and but they're like the most successful band ever and bono has this image of like being you know this this robin hood mother teresa type bono alone is worth 700 million dollars so yeah you know if he wants to cut that in half and give it to to help end poverty then maybe he has a claim to be uh as uh you know virtuous as he as he claims yeah. to be but uh yeah I, I picked Beautiful Day because that's a song that is like extremely successful song. The album that that's on is like called something stupid, like uh, All That You Can't Leave Behind. Yeah, I remember that record. That was a monster. <laughs> that album sold 12 million copies. Yeah, it's a monster. Yeah, and the Patriots have uh, seven rings, right? Yeah, <clears throat> so uh, there you go. Robert Kraft, Beautiful Day by U2. Well, I'm going to round it out, but I'm going to talk about one person just for like a split second. I was going to put uh, Jimmy Haslam on my list for these two reasons. Uh, one, uh, the company that he owned uh, before he purchased the Cleveland Browns, he's the owner of the Browns, was uh, is the number one fuel supplier to the uh, drilling and fracking industries. So shout out to Jimmy Haslam. The Browns actually showed porn on a wall while trying to uh, conduct a marketing meeting. What? That happened in the building. Jesus Christ. One team in 2012, and they won four games, seven games, three games, one game, zero games, back-to-back season. So, nice job. You're you're doing it. You're doing the Lord's work out there, Jimmy Haslam. Yeah, no wonder they're like... He's he's a a fucking jerk-off. Rolling Stone Magazine said that he has two friends. One, the former governor of Tennessee, and two, his old college roommate, who is a a senator from Tennessee. And nobody else likes him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well... Not yeah, that doesn't surprise me. So shout out again for going some magazine for putting that out in print. I love the fact that nobody else likes them. <laughs> but I'm going to talk about my my former favorite football team, the Washington Football Club, and uh, Snyder. Um, uh, 2008, he sued uh, season ticket holders who were unable to pay due to the recession that happened under under his watch. Uh, of course, we all know about the lawsuits and what's happening right now. So I'm going to give Dan Snyder, Brown Eyed Girl by Van Morrison, which is probably the worst song ever recorded. (laughs) I feel like I'm at a bachelorette party in Nashville. It is the worst song ever recorded. It's so bad that Van Morrison would refuses to play it in college. He's like, no, 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 no. We ain't playing that shit. I love Van Morrison and I, Agree with you 100%. I hate that, that song. song. It's good. terrible. Yeah. Even yeah. recordings of it from like the 60s have been singing it. No, he's, it's still not. even into it. He's just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dan Snyder also worth $2.6 billion. So yeah. he doesn't, uh, yeah. And he, uh, uh, he's, he's uh, the, 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 in every list that I did my research on, yeah, he was number one of worst <laughs> in sports. And that includes a dude who was in the militia in fucking Serbia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he is uh, every, pretty much also every public comment he ever makes is like gross and absolutely disgusting. He's a piece of shit. I mean, he, you know, he built a team to profit off of racism. So that's... So, uh, I mean, like whenever the, he was on the, on the corner of them never changing the name and then he would hide, he had some actual Native Americans who turned out to be not Native Americans. It turned out to be some German dudes who were part of like another program. And then when they said they were going to change the name, he wrote the letter on letterhead. I'm, uh, <laughs> like, yeah, he's he's a piece of shit, and yeah, yeah there's there's no way. Uh, and all the stuff that's coming out about to the profit off that kind of imagery. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. He's he I think he's got a a whole list of skeletons still to be exhumed. And I think a lot of these guys probably do. Um I, I was thinking about Snyder too and I, I just wanted to hopefully get a laugh out of you by saying that uh the song I was thinking about with him is uh Ball with the Ball by Kid Rock. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly because of the, you know, the, the, racism, the appropriate. I'm run. I remember, I remember thinking that song was all right at one point. But like you know, the the appropriating cultures and whatnot. Yeah, uh, my for, name is for a profit. Yeah, and then uh, being Trump supporters and yeah, all that shit that Dan Steiner and and Kid Rock. I think, are. I think he's trolling America, Kid Rock. Well, whatever he's doing, he sh- he should go away. He, yeah, 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 Rob Ritchie. That's just yeah. a big. Yeah, he's still a thing in like, yeah, certain. It's funny, I should have yeah. liked Dan Snyder, and you could tie it back to Sweet Home Alabama, because there's that one song that Kid Rock does, which in essence is Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> Merging yeah. uh, merge with another classic rock song. Yeah, my thought process kind of uh, definitely converged on a lot of these. Um, yeah. uh, as, as we said, sports franchise owners aren't uh, the most savory of characters. But that brings me to my last one. I'm going to wrap it up with a guy that I kind of like, you know, as far as sports franchise owners. He isn't the full owner of the team, but he's certainly the figurehead owner, the public owner. And that is Derek Jeter, who now owns the Miami Marlins baseball team. I love Derek Jeter. I think he's a great player. I think he, you know, I'm not a Yankees fan, never have been, but I was always a Derek Jeter fan. I think he was so much fun to watch. He's one of the best players we'll ever see. Uh, and really a true, you know, leader and whatnot. But, uh, you know, he's not going to be, I don't think he's ever going to match his playing career with his ownership career. You know, he's not going to get championships with the Marlins or, or, or whatever, but he's, I don't think, I think when all is said and done, we're still going to be looking at him as a player first rather than as an Number owner. Two. And that is why, Zito. <laughs> yeah, that's your good uh, – I forget the announcer's name, but your Yankees uh, announcers. No, batting. <laughs> but yeah. um, but uh, that's why, as a song, he is Party All the Time from Eddie Murphy. <laughs> and, yeah, there's – I think there's like 10 lyrics to that whole song. He repeats <laughs> that like the entire time. Um, and Shout like, out to Rick James singing backup. Yeah, yes. I think also potentially produced that. I think song. he, I think he wrote it and produced it. Yeah, so um, it sounds like a Rick James song anyway. Yeah, and it's it's dope actually until yeah. you hear Eddie Murphy singing. And, and oh no, that part that part's so awesome. And it's like really bad, but you know I still love Eddie Murphy and he did other things. And the only reason that song is known is because it was a big flop and because it was like a joke. Hopefully for Derek Jeter's sake and Marlins fans' sake, it's not true for the Marlins. But I would put my money on. Like I said, him more being known for being a player than an owner. And Eddie Murphy's always going to be known for being a comedian and an actor or over being a singer. Eddie Murphy right now, Don Johnson, and Patrick Swayze, who also had shitty songs from the 80s. Well, at least it wasn't nuts. Because, by the way, those songs also suck too. Yeah. (laughs) Eddie Murphy made the list. (laughs) Yeah, well, these guys that were like, well, I'm really successful in this area. So, of course, I'm going to do this. Like some, some guys can. This you is know, what you have when you have a ton of money and like there's yeah. nobody telling you it's like you know that's not a good idea. Yeah. 
you probably shouldn't do that. Yeah, no. Yeah, party all the time. Not not a not a great idea. And buying the Marlins probably not a great idea. <laughs> all right, so that that uh, that wraps that wraps it. Shout out to Eagles to kill the sunrise. I listened to that song before we recorded that podcast. This podcast, that song sucks. Yeah, I. That song is awful. So, what are you looking forward to this week, George? Tennis, and college football, uh, in front of no fans. But I love tennis. In fact, of the sports, tennis is up there for me. I like the uh, aloneness of it. Like, um, there are no sports like tennis. It's usually, like in boxing or any other sport. At least if it's like one person, they go to a, they talk to a coach midway and they're like, "Hey, you're doing this. You got to be doing this." And blah blah blah. Tennis, you just got to figure that shit out. And I love that. So. And coaches in the stands. Coaches in the stands. They're not and, even look at his direction. No, and famously, you know, Serena got in trouble for it last year because yeah. her, her And everybody coach, does that. So yeah, and, for doing that. That really pissed me off. But everybody it, does that. It, oh, it was a complete targeted attack on Serena. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It was bullshit. So he's going for, uh, I guess, number 21, I think, this year. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I mean, is she's she's the goat as far as I'm concerned, as far as, like, the amount this go. I, I mean, can we just say, like, I think she's the best athlete in our lifetimes, period. Best she's athlete. She's in the running for sure. She's incredible. I uh, I was I wish I wish that like Sharapova was still like a thing, because like there's something about Serena versus Sharapova is like it has this added juice to it, because Sharapova, who's not nearly half as good as Serena, makes more money with than her as far as endorsements because she's blonde, she's Russian, blah blah blah. And Serena's yeah. got that extra juice whenever she plays her. Like, she wants to take that tennis ball and shove it down her fucking throat. Oh, man, I and love it. Like, sure, probably like one in 22 against <laughs> Yeah, I remember. Like, I wish that was like a thing, but there was like, I love, I love tennis. And one of my favorite things about women's tennis is like the amount of parody that's in it. And the number one player in the world lost yesterday. And this is the first weekend. So, I know, I saw that. I'm not as avid. I mean, I'm, I love tennis. I'm not. A huge, a huge follower. I didn't even, I wasn't even, I didn't know that woman. Yeah, yeah, no, she won, uh, she's a beast. And there's a lot of Americans that are, that are, that are, that are on the come up. Yeah, well, Coco. sadly, uh, Coco, she lost yeah, yeah. though, I mean, right? And they're like teenagers too. So I'm like, tennis is in great hands. My guys, I did this is like my 15th year living in New York and uh, going to miss the US Open. But I'll be there, I'll be there one day, hopefully next year. And hopefully that's not Rogers, Rogers last uh you're playing tennis in New York because that's that's he's my favorite athlete of all time. Yeah, he's. I mean, watching him play tennis is watching like one of the greatest artists ever do their thing. I mean, he's incredible. I think you know that we're spoiled in in this period of tennis. Uh, you you were talking about that last time, but the though all three of those top three of the men, Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic are just unbelievably incredible to watch. I mean, all of them, and they all bring different things. I mean, Federer, he's so smooth. He he makes things, he makes it look like he's not even breaking a sweat, but yet he's covering out there. the distance. I mean, he, and power and finesse and speed, and then like the brute force of Nadal, but also like, I know, I don't think you're that huge of a fan of his, but he, he is so much fun to watch. And then I, I like Djokovic too. I think Djokovic is incredible. No, I mean, like, I like, I like, I mean, like, I don't like him as much as Federer. And whenever he loses, whenever Federer loses to him, it's almost like uh, Nadal has been able to overcome the injuries, which I, which I think is great. Nadal to me is like Derek Rose, just like the first few years of Derek Rose, just the amount of torque that he's using. 
to there's reason why like guys like that rose for example is like the knees and the ankles and the wrists are always going to suffer because you're like coming at it with so much like and you're hitting that ball with so much fucking velocity yeah but all your powers from down here and the doll is just smooth with it and the way yeah. he's closing his fingers yeah. and the way he dominates on clay yeah like, yeah and he's yeah he's so long and lean i mean he's He's a joy yeah, to better, watch. Better is my guy, but I, I, I can respect Nadal and Djokovic will probably end up being better than both of them. So yeah, which is insane. Yeah, yeah I, I also I like to watch him. I think he's really exciting and really he's, fun. He's, and, he's dope. He's he had a couple rough years a few years back, and now he's now he's back to like no, I'm going to be the when it's all said and done, I'm going to be the best because he's still fairly young. He's like a 31. Yeah, he's yeah. Men's ten, men's tennis is weird because like women's tennis when you when you fall off that cliff. Unless you're Serena, you're it's it's over. Yeah, which makes Serena even that the more which, which impressive. Yeah, she's yeah, she's elongated her her playing career way longer than men are able to sort of keep it together till about the mid thirties. But even 30s. yeah, they you know I mean, the women's decline is is dramatic. They're like, oh shit, it's over. We're seeing it with these guys now, especially with Federer. But you know, I think the first the first got the the model is Sampras, right? Sampras played well into his mid thirties at, at a number one or close to level, which before then was like completely unheard of. So yeah. Yeah, Jimmy Connors played in late history, but for the most part, that's not something that happened. You know, guys are taking care of their bodies a little better, a little differently. Like for example, Venus lost their first round at event. But she's still, I'm surprised she's still playing, honestly. It's when they fall she's, like well, she, off last night. When they fall off a cliff. It's yeah. She also Venus over. also time is undefeated. It's over. Yeah, a lot so, of inju- a lot of injuries too. Yeah. So and and of course they like they want to live their lives. So yeah, uh, men don't have to worry about like having children and stuff yeah, like that. Right. So keep keep it moving. But anyway, what's uh, what are you looking forward to this weekend? Well, I think the thing I'm looking forward to the most is I haven't taken a lot of time for narrative films and stuff you know part of that is because the movie season is all fucked up and we're not going to movies of course and it's just we're in a different reality right now uh as far as like how movies are released and and whatnot but it's cool because all this stuff is coming to netflix and us and the thing i'm most excited for is the charlie coffee movie it actually is available tonight or tomorrow the netflix yeah the 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 fourth it's it's called i'm thinking of ending things and it, i watched the trailer for it today and it looks incredible it's like a weird drama thriller type tony collette is in it as well as david thulis david david thulis is, is, is great he's a uh, season three of fargo tony collette jesse plemons oh i love him Jesse Plemons is in it. Yeah, it it looks really, really interesting. Charlie Kaufman, I think, is probably one of the most interesting people writing and making films, you know, from things that he wrote, like uh, being John Malkovich and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, you know, an adaptation. He's just really, really interesting. You know that he's going to be coming with some interesting thoughts and ideas and the performances look incredible. It just it looks really exciting. So I'm gonna watch that. And yeah, I'm thinking right of on. ending things on Netflix on September 4th. Well, that is uh, another one in the books. Yeah, know your roles. Know your roles. Everybody, stay safe and healthy. Wear your fucking mask over your nose.
We're out. You know the world of the rough style. You know the world of the rough style.